Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Sass Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is the 27th of November, 2019, and it's the day before Thanksgiving, the day before Black Friday. And even though, like I said last week, this was going to be kind of a week, a lot is going on. We had a lot of things signed into legislation. We've seen the media uptick on their attacks uh, and their skewing of definitions again. You know, the the word, and it was so nicely put by Robbie Shock. it's uh, debunking. Remember, it was conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, racist, conspiracy theory. Now it's debunking. And it's it's really funny because I was actually a victim of an, of an attack, which kind of threw me off guard because I was like, why would they say something like that when I have paper trail? Why would they even attempt something like that? So we'll talk about the fake news media and how, you know, they're used to weaponize people that have actually blown the lid off of a lot of their corruption. Seems like this election fraud not only is national, it's a global thing. And yesterday I published an article where it tells you how they use our federal tax dollars to fix the elections in the Ukraine. And it's like, what? Yes. And now, five years later, the leaked audio of Newland with Pyatt totally makes sense. They were talking about fixing elections. They were talking about Joe Biden coming in and doing an attaboy. They were talking about teaming up with oligarchs. And we were giving them federal taxpayer dollars to do it. Oh, and, you know, when stuff like that comes out, we need to make sure that the that the source of this information is, you know, painted in some way. They should be very careful because, you know, things like, um, I don't know, this happened. Is a congressman vowing to take the Daily Beast and fake news CNN to court. House Intel Committee Ranking Member Devin Nunes. I got to be honest, I know more about this than maybe you want me to reveal. So I will let you say it in your own words. Um, I saw the report about you. I happen to know a lot of it is outright lies. Now, what are you plan planning to do? Well, Sean, like we've seen so many times over the last three years, every time House Republicans on the Intelligence Committee come up with real information and put it out there, what do they do? They smear the messenger. And the problem that CNN has this time and the Daily Beast is, look, I understand the last week and a half, it was a, it was a disaster for them. It was a train wreck for them. So what did they have to do? They had to come out and say, well, look, Devin Nunes was actually the one that was meeting with all of these Ukrainians. So sorry, CNN, it's totally false. So we put out a very clear statement after the story came out on Friday night uh, saying it's demonstrably false, total fake news. And I will tell you, Sean, for all of the last three years, including the Russia hoax to the Ukraine hoax, This is the mother of all fake news stories. There is not one bigger than this. And so next week, uh, we are going to take them to court. Uh, They will have an opportunity to come to court so that we can subpoena each other. We can get discovery. We can set people down for depositions. And I have a bet for you, Sean. CNN and the Daily Beast are going to run for cover. They're going to fight this. They're not going to show up in court. They're not going to accept service. Uh, so look, it, it's, but at the end of the day, I'm going to track them down and I'm going to hold them accountable because this is, this has just gone See, on for too long 
And this is the only way we're going to be able to, to get retribution and get in, and be able to seek fairness and transparency in the media is by holding them accountable. I applaud what you're doing. I really do. And actually, I'm pretty close to doing the same thing in some ways myself, um, which I won't talk about tonight. But as a public figure, our standard is high. Absence of malice. Look at Nicholas Sandman. I would say the odds that this kid is going to be worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars is pretty high because they lied about that kid. Even when the facts came out, they kept lying. And I would suspect that they're going to want to settle and have non-disclosure agreements at the end of it. It's harder, but it's important, I think. We're getting to a point that they've got to be held accountable. How spectacular is the lie on, say, a scale 1 to 100 of the lies that they told about you? Uh, well, your scale of 1 to 100 would not be, uh, it would blow the scale apart because it would be 1,000. So, look, I don't know how to describe it better. I made a clear statement on Friday, Friday night, demonstrably false and scandalous fake news. Uh, look, there were five other agencies, uh, media agencies, that had this same fake news story that decided not to run it. Two months, two months before. Uh, we have others that had the same story. So, uh, look, I think it's also a little bit fake news, Sean, that these media companies have been, they tell a story so often it just becomes true that, oh, you're a public figure. Well, we're a public figure, but really, if you have reckless disregard for the truth and actual malice, and I mean, are, are you kidding me? Have you been watching CNN or reading the Daily Beast for the last three years? I mean, if they have malice towards anyone, uh, I mean, obviously the president they have the most malice for, but clearly they have malice towards myself and the House Republicans. Oh, yeah, and they, don't, just they don't like you. They don't like me either. I have lawyer recommendations. I consider Lynn Woody represents Nicholas Sandman, Charles Harder. Uh, remember, he won in the Gawker case. Um, I'd like to see these guys get a lot of work, and I think they might. Congressman, thank you for sharing. We're going to watch very closely what happens with this suit. And, you know, that is important. You know, yesterday, almost as if I'm a time traveler or a psychic, I was talking about bad faith journalism as if, you know, it was like a preemptive thing. But it's about time that they get a held accountable malice. Guys, you know, later on in the show, I can explain to you an interaction I had with someone that calls themselves a journalist uh, from an outlet that's clearly funded by the Obama for America Foundation, which is super fun to watch. And it clearly, you know, underlying uh, and masking when that goes both ways. Uh, so. You know, I'm actually grateful, like a couple minutes right before I started my show, two uh, attorneys that may or may not be uh, in the public eye doing the same thing, let's say, um, for other people reached out to me because I have call records and I have documentation and it's like hilarious. I actually freaked out. I was like super needy yesterday because I wasn't expecting that Don Blevins, the Fayette County clerk would sit there and say, yep, this is a crime. You know, it says so right there. And I'm like, dude, you called me. I have your call record when you called me in 2016, when I was demanding to find out who ticked boxes. And so you know, it caught me by surprise. I'm like, they can't be that dumb. But yeah, there was only one dumb outlet that did it. And that's how stupid they are. That is just how stupid they are. And 
She was so vicious. Yeah, that's a lie. It doesn't matter. It's what they believe. And it's like, uh, no, not anymore. Now it's about the truth. People are actually awake and they are paying attention. We have everything. And the more they push, the more they realize that they're losing. So they'll push even harder. Malice, bad faith journalism, propaganda. They're literally lobbying per se, for violence against anyone that is against their message. Hmm. It's quite interesting. You want to hear malice? Take a listen to how they covered the turkey pardoning, but the booing of our first lady. Booing. These are children booing, right, on cue. And how happy they were. Listen. White House tradition of pardoning a pair of turkeys. This year's birds are named appropriately bread and butter. CNN's Kate Bennett is uh, there for us. And Kate, while we wait for the uh, action, so to speak, um, let me let me just ask you about First Lady Melania Trump. She was in Baltimore today attending this youth opioid summit, and she didn't have the most favorable reception. And it just got me thinking, you've been covering her since the get. Has she ever been booed publicly before? No, Brooke, to my knowledge and in all the events I've gone to, and I've, of course, the First Lady has given these um, opioid awareness speeches a number of times, maybe 10 to 15 times across the country, always well-received. She's never faced anything like she faced today with a, really an abundance of booing um, and negativity. There was talking throughout her speech. I think we've got a little bit of sound to listen to just exactly what happened with Melania Trump today in Baltimore. There was a mix. We could hear some cheering, obviously. She carried on. At one point in the beginning, she did try to say hello, you know, pay attention. Uh, but basically, there was a lot of negativity. This is Baltimore, of course, where the president has openly disparaged the city and talked ne- negatively about it. So in this room today with these high school and middle schoolers, uh, she was met with 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 quite a negative response. But she, she carried on. And um, this is a first for her, Brooke. So it was high schoolers and middle school- schoolers? It was, it was. kids doing the booing? It was this uh, youth opioid event was took place at a university in Baltimore, but it was focused on high schoolers and middle schoolers. So most of the people in the audience, about a thousand people, were mainly uh, high school high school age or younger. Guys, they totally enjoyed that. And you know, your youth, right? Your child demonstrates how you did as a parent. You know when. when my children get on a, the subway or a, a bus or anything and it's packed and they see someone pregnant, someone elderly, someone handicapped, they immediately get up and give up their seat. Immediately. <laughs> Do you know how many other people don't? And that's not something you learn in school. It's something you learn at home. So for all these kids booing, what does it tell you what their homes are like and what their schools are like? Because any one of you that have children listening to me now that have them in public school 
know the struggle, understand the struggles that children are undergoing right now in regards to this warfare, cultural warfare and reprogramming of how they see society, how they see people. It's, it's crazy. And yesterday, not only did we have the native American, uh, you know, um, a program put together by the Department of Justice. We had the president sign, you know, a bill that criminalizes abusing animals because they are vulnerable. Those that abuse animals, I don't know, like slaughtering chickens in the name of Mark, I'm just saying, but crushing animals. Listen, crushing, crushing. And, you know, I, I had this conversation earlier today with Scott Adams. He was like, yeah, you know, he did this bill with animals. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, of course he would. I mean, I wrote an article almost a year ago about how Barack Hussein Obama, and uh, I love the fact that the president said Barack Hussein Obama at his rally, by the way, yesterday. Um, he actually defined bestiality. Bestiality meaning that um, it's uh, having sex with an animal with non-sexual parts. So if you're having sex with an animal with a sexual part, then it's okay. He literally, like what kind of president would sit there and describe in your uniform? <laughs> okay, just think about it. Like what kind of person do you have to be to define what child sexual abuse is and helping lowering that age of consent at the same time introducing verbiage in your UCMJ in regards to what is considered bestiality? Like I kid you not. It's disgusting. This just goes to show what kind of administration we had, uh, which is bizarre. It is bizarre. If you think about it, it is really, really bizarre. How do we address this? Just like Dr. Jane Ruby said in a sea of new media in her new book, and I'm hoping I'm going to get Dr. Jane on to talk about that. You're the news. Andy said that too. Andy had said to me over oysters, which was my favorite thing to eat with him, by the way. Um, So Andy Breitbart said, you know, the only way that we can control that we are getting the news is by people doing the work themselves. And um, this morning I retweeted a tweet uh, that Dr. Jane Ruby put out. I want to play it for you because it's really, really important that people understand how we are the news and how indeed the fake news are trying to run everything. Take a listen to what she says, if it wants to play. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Jane Ruby in Washington, D.C., author of A Sea of New Media. I wanted to tell you a little bit about this book because I was inspired to write it by Andrew Breitbart, who actually vindicated the Tea Party after they were falsely accused of calling three African-American congressional leaders the N-word, and nobody could come up with a video or an audio. So he told them weeks later, and on the National Mall to hold up their cell phones and thousands of people held up their cell phones and you could see this beautiful in the night and he said there you have a sea of new media to capture the lies folks we can't trust our mainstream media we cannot trust our press when you report fake news which CNN does a lot you are the enemy of the people 
When President Trump says they're the enemy of the people, he's not being a dictator. He's telling the truth. They won't tell us the truth. But if we all have our cameras out in public, they can't lie if thousands of us are showing a video of something happening or not happening. So I encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. It's called A Sea of New Media. And if you think you don't can't make a difference, think about the guy who caught Hillary Clinton on tape, the average citizen caught Hillary Clinton being dragged into the van at the 9-11 memorial in 2016. We never would have known she was ill if it wasn't for that single individual citizen. Pick up a copy of A Sea of New Media on Amazon, and if you happen to see me around D.C., I'll be happy to sign the book for you and give you a big hug. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, and I have a show in D.C. called Dr. Jane's D.C. Tuesday and Thursday nights on the Exceptional Conservative Network. Please join me again. I'm Dr. Jane Ruby. See you next time. So basically, you're the news. That is exactly it. What they will do is lie, lie, and lie. And they can get away with it. Because just like I was told yesterday, it's what they believe. And I was like, so it's not about the truth. It's about what people believe. This is the problem with mainstream media right now. It's not about the truth. It's what you will believe. And if you repeat a lie, uh, you know, over and over and over again, it becomes truth. This is how they are skewing reality. This is why they need to be held accountable. Because even this impeachment hearing, they were talking about these people providing, uh, and I'm using air quotes here, testimony, right? When it was literally witnesses that witnessed absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing. And when it comes to the Ukraine, I've been kind of sitting in the background. I love Scott Adams's uh, commentary. Obviously, I'm... Uh, Seeing that I have some suppression on Twitter with my article about Ukraine, Obama, Biden, and the D.C. Mafia, global election meddling and personal gain. Barack Hussein Obama and his team made money with our federal taxpayer dollars. That is exactly what happened. And here's the thing. Uh, getting into it. If you remember that audio from Newland, she referred to Biden coming in. If you look at the legislation that he put forward, he used our money to make money. And in this article, I actually demonstrated how factcheck.org flat out lied. Flat out lied when people were asking questions about Mitt Romney's son owning the electronic voting machines when he does. Because Solomir Capital invested into another investment company that invested into Hard Inner Civic. So because you're one removed, you didn't invest? Stop. Stop. It's like saying, I want to buy cigarettes, so I'm going to give money to my friend to go buy cigarettes, but I didn't really buy the cigarettes. My friend did. You see what I'm saying? Even though they were for me. <laughs> and I'm profiting. But that's the way it is. And I clearly snapshot their answer for November 2nd, 2012. Even though Wikipedia says that they invested in 2011 before the elections. And it's like, oh my gosh, what? Mm, they lied? Yes, they lie, lie, and lie. And like Nunez said, they love to smear the messenger. But you know what? It's not my first rodeo. Okay, and you can think uh, you can throw egg in my face, 
I stand even taller. I look 10 feet, even though I'm five feet. Because the truth is way stronger. And this is why heads can be held. They can hang them in shame. Because when you realize the amount of misinformation that they put out to distort the truth, then you realize just how big of a problem this is. Uh, they buried one of the biggest stories. And, you know, a lot of people say, um, is that, oh, Republicans and, and listen, Republicans and Democrats are one in the same. Trump's Republican Party, they're centrist. They're conservatives, but centrist, right? Uh, they see both sides and they have a good, fine medium for it, right? Conservative values, which is the foundation of this nation, and they balance very well, I might add. Trump's Republican Party is not the Republican Party before Trump. Let's put it straight. All those clowns resigned the minute they were offered the opportunity to resign or go down in flames. Okay? So let's put that straight. Now, to introduce this, I want to remind you guys that it was in the beginning of November that I broke the story about Stalevsky, the owner of Burisma, reaching out to John Kerry and Joe Biden at the beginning of 2014. According to the court documents from Latvia, it was about end of February, mid-February to end of February 2014, where they struck a deal the first couple of days of March of 2014. And that is just about the time that it was in early March, so you would say in the first fortnight of March, that Hunter Biden was offered the job in Burisma. So they were called by this guy to help get him out of a debacle of being investigated for money laundering $35 million in the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. And so I reported this at the beginning of November, but obviously your, um, our idea of media isn't what it is. Uh, even the right media won't talk about things that they should be talking about, which is things like this, because could you imagine if this was actually spread, you know, the report that I did, which I, if someone could have taken it and just revamped it, I'd be fine with it. Cause I saw them. Searching the stuff, like it shows me these metrics. I'm pretty savvy with computers. I know where it's going, who is going, and what. So there's certain areas and IPs, no matter how many VPNs you use, just so people know, um, it just creates a lot of hassle. But specifically for these organizations that pride themselves on being real news, none of them talked about this. And this was detrimental because it could have changed the way the questioning and the hearings would have went, but okay. And so now after this happened in early March in, in, in February, also in February, we got a leaked call, uh, from Newland and, um, between Newland and the ambassador of uh, the U S ambassador to the Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt. Right. And at the time people were like, Oh, they're just, you know, involving themselves. No biggie, you know, no big deal. Um, you know, we do that because we want to help them. This is what the media said. Okay. And the media didn't even report to you how there was a crisis support package for the Ukraine, uh, that was signed and sealed by April 21st, 2014, right before Hunter Biden took the seat officially on May 12th, 2014, where we gave him $50 million to help 
pursue political and economic reform and strengthen the partnership between the United States and the Ukraine, of which $11 million, uh, you know, we gave just for constitutional reform in voting. And what's bizarre is, is that all of this stuff happened by via the U.S. Export-Import Bank to the Ukrainian equivalent of the Export-Import Bank, which is um, Uxembrink, and whose head of the board and the other board members were all rounded up last weekend and arrested and charged with money laundering, crime, orga- organized crime, RICO charges, basically a bunch of it. You name it. They've been charged with it. And what's really funny is that Speaker Pelosi has been demanding that H.R. 1314 be pushed real, real quick um, to pretty much legalize, um, you know, the federally approved money laundering arm of the U.S. government and provide corporate social welfare. But it's not just the Democrats. It's the Republicans, too. Because a lot of them came out in support of it, too. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So where we left it off is how we have Republicans and Democrats working together to create this corporate welfare program to cover up the money export import bank. The U.S. export import bank is missing and needs to cover their tracks. So that's number one. But what did they use it for? What happened? Well, back in 2005, under the Bush administration, we gave the Ukraine a revolving line of credit of $50 million. And their, their, our export import bank gave them that. So their export import bank can give that money to Ukrainian consumers to buy our products. Did it really get there? No, it didn't. Of course not. But here's where it gets really, really, really pear shaped. And I want you guys to understand that while Barack Hussein Obama signed this uh, support package for the Ukraine, I want to read the portion about elections and constitutional reform. So here's how this press release of this, you know, package that they put together reads. Constitutional reform and free and fair elections are keys to Ukraine's democratic development. Assistance in this area is a down payment on the country's democratic development. We stand ready to provide further assistance to the new government after elections. So this intro, because we're going to go through the bullet points, just like I put them on my article. So there's many of you that, you know, don't use the Internet that much. But here's where we can elaborate on it, okay, and understand the hypocrisy of it. This introduction pretty much tells you that we were meddling in their elections and constitutional reform, right? We decided. We wanted to guide them uh, into democratic elections. This is what the preamble of the whole thing says, uh, you know. And you know what's, what's, what's incredibly insane? How many elections have we seen in Nigeria, Somalia, Sudan, Liberia, Libya, you know, all of these other nations that have had elections where people are at the polls at gunpoint? Or their family is chopped up and hacked up with a machete if they don't vote for the right people. So instead of us using that money to help facilitate open elections, if we must meddle, I'm just saying, if we have to just go somewhere else and tell them who should be in office, then why don't we go to one of these countries? I mean, think about it. 
you know, but instead we went to Ukraine. And remember, Ukraine is no longer a sovereign nation. Okay. It's a state of the European Union. The European Union is like the United States and every single member state is actually part of the EU. So let's pretend that the Ukraine is Kentucky. So how would you feel if Germany or Belgium, one of these, you know, <laughs> no, what, how would you feel if the whole European Union, let's put it this way, decided to write a crisis package for the state of Kentucky so they can um, help us in our elections, in Kentucky's elections and Kentucky's constitutional reform. How would that make you feel? Let's put it this way. How would it make you feel if they went to Utah and said, we're going to help you reform the constitution you have and the people you elect, and we're going to help you have democratic elections. You're going to use this software, that company, we're going to help you and we'll send, you know, we'll pay to send over 1,200 individuals temporarily to help install these things and 250 Americans that will be funded by, no, 250 Europeans that will be funded by European tax dollar, tax euros, right, will come to Utah or Kentucky to be permanently there to make sure everything's working right. How does that sound to you? Right? Bizarre. So here's where it gets even more bizarre. So let me read to you what it says. The United States is contributing 11.4 million package, dollar package to support the integrity of the May 25th elections. These funds are being used to advance democratic processes, not to support a particular candidate or electoral outcome. These efforts include voter education programs, transparent election administration, effective oversight of the election process, election security and redress of infractions and a diverse, balanced, policy focused media environment. Nice words, right? So basically this $11.4 million that you and I worked really hard for that contributed to just giving it to the Ukraine was to oversee their whole process. Oversee means we usher it. We marshaled it along. Uh, we designated the software of the electronic voting and ballot counting, which was executed by CIDL, right? And CrowdStrike helps with that. And we kind of, you know, made sure that there was media regulation. We want fair, honest reporting because we know how the Democrats do their fair, honest reporting. It sounds super democratic, right? Because now let's listen to Newland's audio again, five years later with that in mind. Take a listen. We're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think... In terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking, 
in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, I, kinda... I, I, think, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. Right, because he needs to be coached correctly. And in my article, I have Yachts, who she's referring to, in the the you know main picture of the article, sitting with Obama, just um, Yanukovych, uh, um, just um, putting that out there so you guys understand what they were doing there. Okay, and here's the thing: in that conversation, you have to understand that the EU kind of told them to butt out because, see, the, Hitler tried it. They've tried this before, you know, the whole world domination and global order. They've tried it. They've tried it with the with the rise of the Romans. Uh, they tried it when they created a pope and they, uh, you know, um, weaponized religion. Uh, they tried it through uh, trials of, uh, you know, the English dominance, the Renaissance. Like they've tried everything they brought in you know the um the um muslims over you know and then they had the spanish inquisition to get rid of them because it turned out to you know backfire kind of like we funded terrorists and it's kind of backfiring and everyone's like all right this is not working because we didn't learn our lesson you know, last time we're just going to redo it again, thinking that we have more control now, uh, which was, which is bizarre. So here you have them discussing who should be there, who shouldn't be there. And here's the thing. What the White House wrote out is pretty much it tells you that they're doing that. So this is this is the next little portion, bullet point of the crisis package for elections. The United States is contributing support and monitors uh, to the OSC's election observation mission and other monitoring groups. U.S.-funded programs will provide at least 250 long-term observers and over 1,700, sorry, I misspoke before, I said 1,200, 1,700 observer, short-term observers. So, yeah, don't worry. And we're also going to send people that our taxpayers are paying to sit there and be placed there you know, on a long-term basis. And then we'll have like 1,700 of them throughout the Ukraine to kind of like uh, usher this process alone. And the OSCE is a unit of the European Union. The OSCE is the Europeans' Union instrument in fixing elections, and it is a client of CIDL. CIDL, the same company that counts and creates, has these trap doors, right? Trap doors where they can manipulate votes and change values of votes any way they please. Uh, this was blown open from the Kentucky elections, coupled with what happened in Texas in 2018. Again, what we saw in Louisiana. This, um, what, you know, in a remedial sense would be considered fractional voting. It's just redistribution and, you know, already predicting what they want the outcome to be and then redistributing accordingly. And this is why the races look so tight. And again, I say it, the secretary of state in the state of Kentucky was supposed to be the Democrat, according to the calculations and how this redistribution patterns, how they happen mathematically. So I just want to state that. Um, now, this, these actions by our government are preposterous. None of us should be OK with the fact that, you know, um, 
our government use our federal taxpayer dollar to meddle in their elections, but they had a reason to do it, okay? They had a reason to do it. The, the, the Democrats, the Obama administration had a reason. Remember, it was around that time in 2013 that they started flirting with the idea of taking that shift away from Iran in the nuclear energy and get a foothold in the EU. Now, the EU was really, really upset because they're energy dependent on Russia. And Russia, no matter how many sanctions you put, they could have clapped back and said, oh, you're paying a dollar per gallon. Okay, now you're going to be paying $50 per gallon. But we get 70% from you. Like, what are we going to do? I don't know. Go get it from Iran. Oh, there's sanctions? I'm sorry. Maybe you could just get it from America. And the EU was really, really upset. It was like, stop. And this is why you hear Newland say, F the EU. Right. She specifically said at one point. So on that piece, Jeff, when I wrote to the uh, the note to Sullivan, which is Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, and it came back to me directly uh, saying you need Biden. And I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and get the deets to stick. So Biden's willing. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Biden came to influence the elections too? Not only did he do the whole quid pro drop him because I don't like him or you're getting no money quid pro Joe, but here's where he comes on the back end saying, yo, we're going to give you money. We need to negotiate this. You want us to do it through legislation and get our Republicans and our Democrats that have investments in the Ukraine to back it. You got to play pretty and nice. And my son's going to be on Burisma and everybody else's son is going to be somewhere, right? Why is it the sons? Why aren't there daughters? I mean, I'm surprised Chelsea Clinton wasn't appointed somewhere. <laughs> Would you be surprised if we found out she did? Uh, so <laughs> just saying, so here is where it gets even weirder. And I want you guys to, again, think of it as the European Union coming to your home state to reform your... <laughs> Your constitution and the way you vote. How would you feel? Pretty bizarre. So they go on to say we're also sending additional experts like what? Uh, Paul Pelosi Jr. Like um, Heinz, like Biden, like Romney, like who are these experts? So they're sending experts to provide advice on issues as constitutional checks and balances like the ones they implemented of governance, public participation, and establishment of an independent, transparent judicial system. So now, here's the thing. Not only did we meddle in elections and send them experts to help them in, um, you know, voting and this is how you're going to do it and whatnot, but now we're telling them we're going to help you with your judges and how you execute cases. That tells me you better drop the, the investigations into Burisma now. This is what it is. This is what we did. In other words, we sent people in there to usher and marshal the Ukrainians. We sent people that created friendships with cartels oligarchs, right? Same thing. Mafia to literally strong arm the Ukrainian politicians and those that are in government. So they stand at attention when we speak. And so in this, you know, article, I also demonstrate to you some bizarre findings. So Seidel being that software company that counts votes and stuff, not only do they count votes for what they call U.S. elections, but they have specific states like Arkansas, surprise, surprise, 
uh, the state of Alaska, um, uh, the Georgia, um, South Carolina, surprise, surprise, uh, Iowa, Connecticut, Colorado, New York, but uh, Commonwealth of Kentucky, West Virginia, and Mississippi. There's more. Not only that, we have the Ministry of Justice. So the Justice Department of the United Kingdom is also in there. So they do some tallying and computer stuff with them. The Commission of Elections in the Philippines, whatever. I mean, the clientele is huge. We have... um the Ministry of Local Government and Regional Development in the United Kingdom, McDonald's, that's an odd one, Canada, Canada, right? They have Canadian elections. They also have Progressive Conservative Association of Alberta, the city of Toronto, and get this, the Department of Defense. Let me ask you something. Why is the Department of Defense a client of CITLES? I'll tell you why. Do they do elections? No. What does Seidel do? Now, I'm waiting for, you know, Millie's really good with putting together videos, obviously. Um, better skills, great producer. I don't have a producer, right? Uh, a, a great producer and can put these in video format. And, uh, you know, I do it through vocal format, right? Uh, through my voice. I explain things to you. So what you need to understand is what would the Department of Defense be doing with a company that talks about election solutions? Well, the thing with the election solutions that they offer is not the fact that they just collect all these votes, rearrange them as they want, have these trapdoors so nobody can see what goes on. But what they do is they mine data. So the Department of Defense can see everybody's vote. They can see trends. And this algorithm is very important. So you know what is mind boggling to me? We're looking for Hillary's emails. We're looking for the code that was on the DNC servers. Well, Seidel would have breadcrumbs to it, you know, because that was literally on the, they actually were part of, they were clients of the, um, of Seidel, the DNC was. So the question is, why aren't we looking that way? Why are we doing it this way? It means that someone doesn't want to look or else we have it and we're not telling that we have it which is more likely because the the president pretty much made it clear that we have everything we need. So I urge you guys to get on ToriSays.com, find this article, and I just want you to skim through to see just how many entities are linked to this company. And not only that, think of the power people within this company have having access to all these governments and all these networks. Because it's not just the United States. It's not just the European Union. It's Brazil. It's, you know, obviously European Union is France, but Philippines. We're talking, you know, Canada. We're talking Argentina, Ecuador. They're everywhere. Everywhere. And you know what's funny is that the Arabs aren't on here. We don't have people, you know, from the Middle East on here. We have Mexico. We have Finland. We have all these, you know, European nations. But you don't see any Russia, any China, any Arabic nation because they're smarter. You know, we have all the Central Americans. We have India for sure. You know, obviously New Zealand, (laughs) you know. But this is where people need to take a look. This is a data mining program, a data mining program. And 
what they do is they collect this data in order to predict. This is a global network of mining data and fixing elections on a global scale. So it's not just national. So I want everyone to let that sink in that all these nations, you know, the Department of Defense, you know, the United Kingdom, like all these companies are pulled into one company and someone at that company could cause a lot of damage if they leaked information or came out whistleblowing, wink, wink. So, you know, like I said in my previous article, when Eric Braverman went missing, he didn't turn up. Like, why wouldn't you just bring your head up for air and say, look, I'm right here. She didn't kill me. I'm not in Russia asking for asylum. Because then you would have been a moving target. You were unexpected to leave. You disappeared in the middle of the night. And suddenly you're in the Ukraine funneling funds to the Clinton Foundation on the down low. And funneling money and contributing to investments into CrowdStrike. Which, by the way, CrowdStrike works with Seidel. They actually cooperate together, which is even more bizarre, right? And Seidel is a Spanish-based company in Spain, right? And then uh, CrowdStrike is Ukrainian. I don't care if they say it's American. Seidel is an American, but they bought an American company, so now they're American. No, they're not. They're still based in Spain, and CrowdStrike was originally based in the Ukraine, and not only that, they create, they not only examined the DNC server, Hillary's server, right, but they were the ones that wrote the report without having a federal contract of what it was that was hacked, when we all know his name was Seth Rich. And so we come back to this whole, you know, cabal, Our D.C. mafia went into the Ukraine and under the guise of this National Anti-Corruption Bureau teamed up with oligarchs. Because remember, the person that said Giuliani's partners were bad and all this stuff was an oligarch that was banned from entering our country. The people that own these banks are all oligarchs. This is who they partner with. So the National Anti-Corruption Bureau and the U.S., teamed up. Newland was directly with them. And you know, it's even more bizarre that the IG of the NSA right now, Robert Stork was offered a job 60 days before president Trump renominated him because Obama nominated him, but the Republicans would not confirm him. So while president Trump was, had a lot of bad actors in his orbit that, you know, some of them are really hard to sniff out because, you know, People are like, oh, there's white hats everywhere. Yeah, but remember, to be a white hat, you had to be a black hat first. Okay? Because if you're a pure white hat, you have no idea how these black hat works. You have no idea how these criminals work if you were always a white hat. See, you could have been a white hat in disguise because you didn't know what you were getting into. So then, you know, you're like, oh, there'll be a day when I can use all this. Those are the legit white hats that know how to maneuver that and are on the periphery, right? Kind of like, you know, do you remember who used the word Trump card, you guys? Do you remember? It was a president that I think once he entered the office realized that what he thought was bad but doable was really, really bad. And wanted to fix things. And right by his side was a guy named Roger Stone, too. And when he spoke, he's like, well, I'm going to pull out my Trump card. Like, who made that up? 
It was Nixon. And who is the one that's going to jail for speculative things without any proof that WikiLeaks had the DNC? Because you know what they want. They want to know who he communicated with since they couldn't find direct communications of Roger Stone with Julian Assange, like direct. So how do they know how they know? Who did you speak to? Because we want to see if you know that Homeland Security was found digging around in Seidel during the 2016 elections. You know, and they were like, oh, we were just looking if they they were going to be hacked. Well, I just told you there's no way you can see if we were hacked or if someone was fixing the election in 2016. Why? Because there's a trap door and huh, looks funny, huh? That's real funny. That's the thing. They want to know, how do you know what you know, or did you not know what you know? And you need to fess up. So now they're going to, for a process crime, right? Where they entrap you. They want to throw him in jail and they treat him like a criminal. Yet we have people like Hillary Clinton out walking about. We have Bill Clinton, the baby teen and woman rapist walking around with his AIDS face freely. We have people like Comey holding his head up high while he applies for New Zealand citizenship so he can run away. We have Barack Hussein Obama that sold our nation out, that used our taxpayer dollars to manipulate a foreign country's elections. To manipulate everything and everyone. And you know why they did it? Here's the thing. Who leaked that conversation with Newland? It was Russia, right? Why did Russia leak it? Because at that point, you know, it, it was in 2010, you guys, that Russia realized, holy crap, uh, the EU is really eating the Ukraine alive. I, I think maybe we should tell them, look, we'll support your independence like we do for Crimea and you know, you can rely on us for stuff and you could be your own nation if you want. Not even like Crimea, where it's like a co-op like Hong Kong and China is. You could be totally independent. We won't like bother you. We can have good trade relations and we'll help support your independence and defend you if the EU comes after you. Trust us. But at that point, the Ukrainians couldn't trust them because there was so much bad energy in there. And they were so adamant of being independent that the minute the corrupt clowns came in there with their big fat pockets and the power hungry and money hungry Ukrainians were there, guess what happened? That was it. They sold their own nation out. Those Ukrainians, the first ones sold the Ukrainians out. But, you know, can you blame the people? I mean, would you trust Russia after all that bad blood? I wouldn't. And I get it. I totally get it. But when are we going to stop abusing other people? These are the citizens of the Ukraine that are paying for it. They're in debt to the EU. Their debt is so huge that they can, the, the nation will take more than 500 years to pay it off. It's insane. But that's how you create slaves. Real news. Welcome, everyone, back to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So what we were talking about uh, in the first hour was this facade, this lamestream media, this malicious media, this malicious move to discredit, to censor, to silence, to smear, to exploit. And you know what? They put so many people at risk. How many of you feel that you were at risk if I went and requested a bunch of your information and put your address and, and stuff online, you would feel at risk and they don't 
care. They actually want people to, to go after you. No. Now I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something about this article that this, you know, two bit, you know, wannabe reporter did on me. She said that I was registered in the state of Florida. And you know what? I'm like a little bit confused because I was in Pensacola from like January 96 to August 98. Like that was my home base, right? I was based out of there because I was there for the hurricane um, that hit Mobile, Alabama, and we had like a bunch of tornadoes because we had like a hurricane party on Corey Station, uh, which was, you know, a, f- a few miles away from the Naval Air Station. And <laughs> it's a base that's that has a fence that if you like touch it, totally sucks to be you. So it's like um, it was bizarre because there weren't any elections. And I remember something about Al Gore. I think maybe it was like a preliminary thing. I know that I didn't drop it for for Bush, Jeb Bush. Maybe it was like a local thing. I don't know. I don't remember. But I never registered. I mean, I was a kid then, so I wouldn't really remember. And if I went to vote, it was because I wanted to get off base because, you know, when you're on a base with like a fence that you touch sucks to be, you really don't get off when you're in training there. So that was bizarre, you know, how, you know, far deep it went to see Florida, which is like over 20 years ago. That's bizarre, right? So this is just how malicious they are. But I didn't even know that I registered. So I have no recollection of that because elections didn't happen then. So, I don't know how, I know I might have voted for something to get off base. I'm pretty sure maybe it was a local thing. I don't remember. But that was bizarre because, you know, I didn't even have a driver's license in the state of Florida. I actually was issued my international license uh, during my first um, joint training thing when I was overseas in 97. So um, I never had a U.S. license um, until I came, uh, stateside, um, in 08. So that was bizarre because how, how was I registered to vote there? I mean, did they use my PO box? Because I had a PO box because <laughs> that's where my CO was. That was my commanding officer's spot in Florida. So I don't know. It was really bizarre. Caught me off guard, but it also, uh, you know, I should just expect everything, you know, um, from anyone because that was killing the messenger. You know why? Because I, <laughs> I helped them find the, the fake driver's licenses in Louisville. I helped them. I blew this thing off. And then I have Don Blevins, the Fayette County clerk saying, yep, that's a crime. You know, she, there's no evidence that she contacted us in 26. No, duh. Cause you purge your things after 22 months. Right. 2016 is way more than 22 months. But guess what? Your name popped up on my caller ID and I got that. So how are you going to explain all these phone calls between me, Frankfurt, Fayette County when you didn't know anything about this or the attorney general's office didn't know anything about this? That's funny. It's really funny. This is how you take down the Fayette County clerk that dared say that because I dare you. And people are like, well, maybe you should do something like right in her. No, I'm going to wait for the new AG to come. 
And then I'm going to ask to open up an investigation on Don Blevins, the Fayette County clerk, because I want to know how you use cards and have my signature on there, you know, that I don't remember putting on because it didn't look anything like that. Because the question, are you a U.S. citizen, wasn't on the document. And I remember correctly, you know, filling that out. And I remember correctly going with my and let's put it this way. Think about it this way. This is a legal document, right? How was mine verified five days after I went to take my driver's test? How was it witnessed five days? How do you witness my signatures five days after the fact? How do you witness Barry's signature a day after the fact? I don't know why mine took five days and the, the, the migrant didn't take so much. Let's not talk about the discrepancies that, you know, people that uh, look at documents can see, uh, you know, um, wavy letters, kind of like, you know, those girls on Instagram that want to like, make their waist pop and then the door is kind of wavy and you're like, what's there? You know, my husband's supposed card, which was phased out, right? It was 2001. 2003, they were replaced. So what they want us to believe that is for seven years, Fayette County still had stock from 2001, even though it was revised in 2003 that we used. And Fayette County is one of the most populated counties in the state of Kentucky. So all these discrepancies and you think, did we really commit a crime? Did you, did you, he signed that? That's his signature? Really? So then why don't you take it to court? Because guess what? It's not even a valid document. That's why. This is how they create narratives and fake stories. And you know what? Think about it. What if it was the original document? Let's just pretend it was. My husband, when he went there, he handed over his British license, which is two part, mind you. It's a plastic card and then like a paper one that shows your endorsements. It always comes two parts. And his British passport. Um, and his newly issued social security number because legal re- resident aliens have that, but he didn't have his legal resident alien card yet. And so hands those over shows that he is not an American citizen. So you're saying that the clerk would hand him over something that says for United States citizens only BS. I call BS BS because he would never take it, never take it. But let's pretend anyone goes in there, not an American citizen and What they're trying to say is the clerk handed him a document that says only for American citizens. And here's the thing. The seal is superimposed on top. So it's not even a card with a Kentucky seal. You have to stamp it on top, you know, days after the person signs it. So how are you witnessing the person signing it if they're not there? Hmm. Sounds bizarre. So let's pretend that was all true. Let's pretend that was all true. That indeed... He signed it. He checked the boxes, which is no way because I wouldn't even check a box because it would limit the contracts I could do. So let's pretend all of that is supposedly true, right? Even though you could clearly see the Beaumont Center corner uh, was altered and transposed and you could see wave things. Let's just pretend they're all true. We're not even going to dispute it. We're not even going to get into it. Not now at the very least. I'm going to wait till the new attorney general comes in. Because that's where it's going to get fun. That's how I'm going to answer this. Because once the attorney general comes in and jumps in on this, because I can guide him to the dates, the times, and pull the records, then, you know, this publication is going to have to pay me a pretty penny for putting it out there, fake info. And they could say, well, it was told to us, yeah, but you didn't come to me. And you didn't ask. You didn't do your job. It was sloppy journalism. I told them that. 
But this is how it's going to play out with the AG. Because they're going to see that. And here's the other discrepancy. Are you saying that in 2008, during the elections of Obama, which, by the way, I did vote for, okay? I admit that. Because I didn't want McCain, okay? Period. Um, They're saying that Every single person that comes in for a driver's license is handed over a document to be registered on the voter roll, and they don't ask them the question, are you a U.S. citizen? They just hand it over? Is that what you're saying? Because I remember the document. I remember the document because at the top it says, are you a U.S. citizen? You tick yes. Are you going to be 18 um, by the next elections? And the question, Barry was like, well, what do I put there? I was like, well, you put no, obviously, but then you put yes because you are over 18. And then... I was like, that's it. He's like, do I tick anything else? No. And he's like, you have to sign it. That's evidence of your address. Okay. You write your address in. You sign it. This is the guidance he gave on the top, ticked off, not a U.S. citizen. So I want to know where this card came from because it wasn't the document that we signed. And the more I let it percolate, the more I realize, you know, I got to just not sweat it, even though I was super needy yesterday. Like I went to the gym and like walked just a little bit and I was just kind of like getting comfort. (laughs) because I was so irate and I didn't expect such audacity, especially when she quoted Don Blevins saying, yeah, you know, this is a dude, what a clown you freaking called me, man. And I hope you're listening because I can't wait for the new AG to come in. You watch yourself be marched down to jail. Mark my words, dude. Cause you know what? You're the Fayette County clerk. So whatever happened in this debacle, it's on your butt. You watch it happen. You think I'm done. You think you scared me off. You don't know who I am then, obviously, because I don't roll over. I'd rather burn in flames and be sent to jail for like a hundred years rather than admit or submit ever. I did enough submitting because I had to, because it was my duty. I don't do that anymore because the one thing I've realized as I you know, aged, right. And had loss because losing my father was a very pivotal point in my life. Um, I realized that, you know, no one should be submitting or making compromises to the morals that they stand for, right. To the values that they stand for. Because if you stand for any, if you don't stand for something, like if you don't have like something that you say, I'm standing for this, then you fall for almost everything. And that's imperative for people to understand that, especially in this day and age, especially in this day and age, because, you know, I think of it this way. How many people have whistleblowed or sung? How many, how many birds have sat there and sang a song and stayed on that stool? Not many, right? Lots of them have been taken out. You know, it's like waterfowl season, right? The Democrats just love shooting down all the singers. It doesn't work anymore. Because no matter where you look on any corner of the Internet, any corner of the Internet, talking social media, forums, chan boards, YouTube, and radio, now, you know, People are singing and ain't nothing like it. It ain't over until the fat lady sings. And, you know, I'm kind of fat. So there, you know, it's just, it's just pretty bizarre.
Because they think that tactics like, you know, scaring people, shaming people, doxing people works. They really do. And it's effective. It hurts you when you're, you know, a person, you have feelings and you're like, oh, you know, since the, the, the planet is consumed with believing everything they're being told, then, you know, I, it's pretty much, you know, it's, it's social justice. That's basically it. Judge and jury. I mean, this chick went out to say she implicated her husband in a crime. Oh, dude, where'd you get your law degree again? Nowhere. So <clears throat> you feel bad. It really bothered me, you guys. It bothered me because I was like, they would not do that. And I didn't even read the article till like maybe midnight yesterday. And I was just like, did Don Blevins really go on the record and say that? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to annihilate him. And the thing is, he's going to go down because there's phone records. And unfortunately, he called, he used a land, a government landline, too, and a cell phone, too. So... (laughs) It's it's interesting how things work, you know, how corrupt people get exposed. It's interesting how he got the majority of the vote in the area too, right? Super interesting. And the thing is, no matter how many times we tell the left, this is war. This is information and spiritual war. And, you know, I say it all the time too, and I preach it and preach it. And sometimes I need to hear it back. It was very reassuring to have listeners and people that I call friends say it to me back. And, um, it's really, really important that, 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 that we embrace it. I mean, I'm saying it and it's like hypocrite cause you didn't really like embrace it. And you were like super needy yesterday. But the point of the matter is, is that we are literally taking our country back from very, very bad people. And they're, they're so desperate CNN released a report a little while ago, um, today where a mysterious blob, okay, was found in our airspace in Washington, D.C. And um, it was like um, right by the National Mall. And immediately when this mysterious blob appeared, military aircraft were sent up. And it was a mass, they say, of birds entering restrictive airspace that look like an unauthorized aircraft. And it's very restricted. You know, the airspace in Washington is very, is a lot more restrictive than other places, kind of just like New York is, you know, 9-11. So um, basically, the... The blob, they say, CNN is saying, is like um, birds and that they were birds and it wasn't an atmospheric anomaly or a drone. But the police is saying it's still not known other than the fact that it was a big, slow moving blob of something. So what do you believe? Do you believe we know or what? Now, CNN says that they reviewed air traffic control audio and the military aircraft operated um, under the call sign Blackjack. And they reported seeing a flock of birds. But a flock of birds to be picked up on air 
you know, see, this is how dumb they think the people of the United States are. They really do think we're dumb. And this is because we've let them drone us out, let them feed us what they want to feed us in regards to news. We have allowed them to do this for so long. Why else wouldn't they be treating us like this and saying things like this? Right, guys? I mean, this is... This is propaganda. This is hypocrisy. You know, bad faith, malice. It's like cultish, right? Cultish for that 1%. The 1%. So let's take a listen a little bit to um, what our president said yesterday at the beginning of his rally. Take a listen. My home. As we head to the polls... And together we will win back the House, we will hold the Senate, and we will keep that beautiful, beautiful White House. We will keep it. We will keep it. You know, we just said another stock market. You, you saw that, right? The stock market just hit another all-time in history high, meaning 401ks and jobs. Everybody's getting rich. And I'm working my ass off. That I can tell you. Before you leave the arena, make sure that you register to vote. We can't take any chances. We're doing great in Florida. As you know, you have a great governor. We're very happy with Ron. He's doing a fantastic job. But make sure you register to vote. As we gather together for Thanksgiving, you know, some people want to change the name Thanksgiving. They don't want to use the term Thanksgiving. And that was true also with Christmas, but now everybody's using Christmas again. Remember I said that? But now we're going to have to work on Thanksgiving. People have different ideas why it shouldn't be called Thanksgiving, but everybody in this room I know loves the name Thanksgiving and we're not changing it. But Americans have so much to be thankful for. The economy is booming, wages are rising, crime is falling, poverty is limiting, confidence is soaring, and America is stronger than ever before. Yes, it is. And <laughs> he's making it great too, isn't he? We've created 6.7 million new jobs, including 600,000 jobs right here in the great state of Florida. We're protecting American workers, taking care of our amazing veterans. By the way, you know the veterans, for years and years and years, I was like you, I was a civilian. I loved my life. My life was so much simpler. It was so nice and soft and easy. You build a building and you have fun. But I'd always see you turn on the news, you read in the paper about our veterans being mistreated. They were doing such a poor job. You don't hear that anymore, do you? You don't hear it anymore. Our veterans, for the first time, are taken care of to a level that has never happened 
in our country before. And maybe most importantly, right now, with the world the way it is, we are rebuilding the awesome power of the United States military. 2.5 trillion dollars, and everything is made right here in the USA. That's good. We make the greatest equipment in the world. And a few weeks ago, U.S. Special Forces brought the world's number one terrorist to justice. The bloodthirsty savage known as Al Baghdadi is dead. Finally. And just this week, I stuck up for three great warriors against the deep state. And you know what I'm talking about. I had so many people say, sir, I don't think you should do that. People have to be able to fight. These are great warriors. They can't think, gee whiz. If I make a mistake, do I go for, do, I mean, you know, if they would put him in jail for 25 years, one young man was in jail for seven years. He had 16 more years to go. And I want to tell you, when you look at what they did to that man, you would have been very proud at what we ended up doing. He came out. He hugged his parents. It was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. We gave him a pardon. Because we're going to take care of our warriors. And I will always stick up for our great fighters. People can sit there in air-conditioned offices and complain. But you know what? Doesn't matter to me whatsoever. They're out in that field. And they're doing a job for us like nobody else anywhere in the world can do. Exactly. Nobody else in the world can fathom what they've had to do for our freedom. Nobody else can fathom what it's like to suck it up and to follow an order. Nobody can enter their mind and answer those questions from, you know, the dude strolling around in, you know, Whole Foods. Why don't you listen to a 96-year-old veteran of World War II, what he has to say about President Trump. Thank you so much for your service, sir, in World War II. Well, I'm glad to do it. and In fact, you took me off of the farm, and I was a cowboy at Chapman Ranch in South Texas. And you were a reconnaissance paratrooper, is that right? That's what they call me, yes. I, I entered the service in uh, oh, January of 42. Wow. And you went all over. You were telling me Morocco, all over Africa? Oh, yes. Every, five major battles. Five major battles. So how long of a time did you serve? That's uh, Not all that long, about four years. Four years. That's a lot of time. Thank you for your service, sir. It was four years, but they were busy four years. Sure, <laughs> sure. We didn't get any days off. 
Well, you're one of our heroes, and we thank you for that. And, you know, why are you here supporting the president? Oh, he's a, I have to say this openly, he's the first president in my 96 years. Reagan came close, but I have to support Mr. Trump. But he is the first real president that we had in my 96 years. Wow. He's got it all. He does what he says he's going to do. and Everything he has done, I've been asking for for all these years. We had a man with the guts, the structure, the stature, the uh, the knowledge, and everything that goes with it. Mainly, he's doing the right thing. Every move he makes is right, yeah. the way I think. I, I totally agree. And does he support our veterans? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. No doubt about that. Yes, that's right. Well, thank you so much for your service. 96 years old, World War II veteran. It's an honor just to speak with you, Red. And you said I could call you Red or Luther or Ellie, but you said you used to have red hair, and it just it got loose, right? You call me anything, but uh, don't leave me out for dinner. I, I will. Okay. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much, Red. You're How cool is that? That is exactly what it is he is the first president remember he he went through jfk jfk tried and didn't succeed you know jfk really really went through really tried and like i said reagan close but no cigar because they made sure that he cannot speak that is the way it is so for people to know and understand what this president is actually representing. He is representing every single American that wants America to be what it was intended to in 1776 when we Brexited. That has been taken back just a bit. Just a bit has been taken back, hasn't it, guys? It has been taken back by the cabal, by these incessant, nasty, nefarious, evil, satanic individuals that believe that they are more important than anyone. Now, one thing I want to tell you, just so that you can pay attention to changes, we have definitions that change and logos that change. I urge all of you to see Facebook's new logo on Twitter. It'll tell you everything you need to know for now. Tomorrow, there will be a show airing, and it will be all about Ilhan Omar. And you guys know that I know this topic pretty well. No one's really covering it, and um, hopefully, you know, throughout the Thanksgiving uh, weekend, I can put a nice detailed report, because Laura Loomer, everything she has said is true. And, you know, I shouldn't be complaining, what, that I was smeared by some it that you know don blevins just put a big fat target on his back not just for me but there's a lot of other patriots out there digging about i shouldn't complain because i still have a voice she's been silenced and her voice is conveyed through others she has been removed, but she will have one of the loudest voices we will see in the House in 2020. So it's important that all of us support people for the House across the nation that are 
our voice in a collective, right? I mean, I'm not in West Palm Beach. I'm not from that state, right? But why not? Why not? Uh, the, you know, there's a candidate in California, candidate in New York, candidate in Michigan. You know, I don't have much, but I'll send, you know, five, 20, 50, or whatever I have, I'll send because it's important that we support them. And, you know, I also support other, you know, um, little journalists, not only, you know, candidates, but they're journalists. Like there's this one guy that, um, I share my coffee with the, um, my, uh, two of my, um, uh, one is a friend. The other one's just a, a listener, you know, which is very friendly. Um, so one of my friends, Mike, bought me lunch the other day and my source came through with some stuff that I needed in Kentucky. And this guy isn't even a reporter. He's just like on Facebook, does a bit of digging. You know, he doesn't come out with his name, like to publish things and put a target on his back. Because whenever you come out with your name, there's a huge target on your back. And, you know, we shared lunch virtually, <laughs> virtually, but shared lunch because he, you know, gave me some really good stuff. Um and, you know, we have to say thank you. And I think to all these patriots that are running for office, we should all say thank you. Um, we should be very thankful for every single person out there that is putting themselves out there to be your voice. Um, I can't stress that enough because it's important that we stick together. You know how President Trump says, you know, man, the Democrats, they're sleazy, they're nasty, they're power hungry. They want to enslave every man, woman and child. But you know what? They stick together. Gosh darn it. They do. They stick together. And that's what hurts. Why can't patriots stick together like that? Why? Because we have Democrats among, among our ranks. And Democrats meaning really evil people. And the fact is, America is winning again. And America is respected again. And killing terrorists and taking care of our border. It's really setting records now. You see what's going on. And the wall is happening. It's getting built rapidly. And that's a real wall. The radical left Democrats are trying to rip our nation apart. First, it was the Russia hoax. Total hoax. It was a failed overthrow attempt and the biggest fraud in the history of our country. And then you look, the Mueller deal, you remember that mess? They had nothing. Two years, they spent $45 million, and the real cost is many times that number. And now the same maniacs are pushing the deranged impeachment. Think of this. Impeachment. Impeachment. A witch hunt. 
the same as before. And they're pushing that impeachment witch hunt. And a lot of bad things are happening to them. Because you see what's happening in the polls? Everybody said, that's really bullshit. Okay, hold on. I want to play a specific clip for you. This was a good one. Take a listen to this. What business? See you in, sir. The mailbox business? Oh, mailbox. Whoa, that's that's good. Do you know Hunter Biden? Do you know Sleepy Joe? What business are you in, sir? How awesome is that? That's exactly what is so irate these days that they are understanding what's going on. Sleepy Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. We should start talking about Paul Pelosi Jr., right? Tag Romney. We're factcheck.org. It's a .org organization. It's totally impartial. Is it though? Is it though? Hmm. Listen to what else our president has to tell us. And he did absolutely nothing wrong, and I'm voting. Can you imagine? They take this perfect call, and they want to impeach your president. And you know what? Here's the good news. We have more support in the Republican Party. Kevin McCarthy, Meadows, I'm going to introduce a couple of them. Jim Jordan, great champion wrestler. you got a couple of them here. I'm going to save their names. Steve Scalise, who's been incredible. So many. Elise, how's Elise doing, right? New star. No, no, it's incredible. Devin Nunes, how good has he been? Devin. And so many more. I don't want to get into it. But I tell you what, a lot of stars are being made. And... I was just told backstage our poll numbers are through the roof because people don't like watching a scam. They don't like watching it. They don't like watching it. They've got a sick puppy, shifty shift. He's sick. And they don't like seeing what's happening. And a lot of Democrats are saying one of them was in a today in Detroit, I believe, and she's like in a D Democrat 30. That means, in other words, that's not one that we're going to work too hard to get, but you never know what happens, right? And she came out and said, essentially, hey, I'm not here to impeach the president. But what they're really saying is they don't like the position they're in, and they're going to like it less and less, and we're going to take it right up to November 3rd, 2020. We're going to take back the House. We're going to take it back. So the president of Ukraine declared that there was no pressure put on me. Now, he's the only one that matters. There was no pressure. He said it all different ways. There was no pressure. But it doesn't matter, does it? Because facts don't matter. It's not what the truth is. It's what they believe. What will they believe? Right? 
And you know, Jesse Kelly just tweeted out something that is awesome. He says, conservatives will not only avoid fighting the culture war, they'll actively mock anyone on the right who tries to do so. Kind of like they mocked Laura. You remember how everyone's like, Laura, you're doing great, great reporting. The minute she gets silenced, the minute people start smearing her, the minute people started talking about her, what did they do? They totally ignored her. She's running for Congress and she's going to win and she needs to remember that. You need to remember that. Remember the people that were there. Alex Jones, like him or not, he's not been wrong on a lot of things. Those that mock him are people on the right. Look at how they operate within their own ranks. Look at how they operate. And he's right. And he said that's why leftism is everywhere now. Even corporate boardrooms They know you'll shrug and grab your ankles even when they spit in your face. 100% correct. And you know what? I shrugged and grabbed my ankles in a needy way, but I am so grateful for people that um, surround me that gave me courage and spent time with me to kind of you know, because I find it difficult to process, uh, human responses or, um, in general, things that were not predictable. So, you know, my predictive model is so good. I didn't even try it out. Like, if I go public with this again, because I went public with it in 2016, what will the outcome be? I know that in 2016, when I ran this, uh, to see how I would do it, I was actually mocked in the state of North Dakota for bringing it up. I kid you not. I was mocked by somebody on the radio. Oh my gosh. She was like really upset that her, you know, immigrant husband was on the list to vote. You know, we don't register in North Dakota. Yeah, but your DMV exports these and he could have voted. This is how easy you're making it. This is a problem. And how I was going back and forth with Kentucky. I was posting it all over social media. I was talking about it as much as I could and I was being mocked for it. So, uh, you know, I said, oh, it'll be slight mocking, uh, but you know, it'll um, start conversations uh, within those states. Mm. Interesting. It's too bad I didn't see it now because I'm pretty sure my predictive model would have been like Kentucky corrupt clowns in county clerks and big names like Babbitt. You know, I dropped that name like they got money. Mm -hmm. You know, Baird, all these clowns come at me, man, because you got nothing. You got nothing. All I did was expose everything. They found the driver's licenses. Let's hit it back. They found the ballots. Let's hit it back. Now we're going to go for the county clerks. That's where we go. Who's funding their campaign? How much you want to make a bet? This Don Blevins dude probably gets money from the Babbitt foundation from Baird. You know, I want to know how his administrative assistant was able to donate $1 million to the Obama campaign. Can you guys answer that question? Everybody answer that question for me. How did an administrative assistant for Harp Enterprises contribute a million dollars cash to, you know, the Obama campaign? Where did she find a million? Man, I want her job. Dude, if Harp Enterprises is paying a million dollars to send out ballots and chase down UPS packages, yo, I want in. What about you guys? Sounds like a pretty stellar salary where you can just hand out one million dollars. Not one dollar, not a hundred dollars, but a million dollars.
sounds pretty bizarre. Mm. So first of all, I just have to say it to my listeners and those that follow me on Twitter. Thanks for like being there for me and sticking up for me when I was being attacked. Uh, that's awesome. And like the president has said before, why can't we all stick together? Just like Jesse Kelly said, why aren't we all fighting together? We should all be behind each other and rallying up behind each other to support each other. Man, who set this Kentucky thing off? Was it the moms that found that? Mm. It was mine because it's a credible accusation. And unfortunately for them, even though they destroyed records, I didn't. I actually found some. And there's more because I can pinpoint the dates and the government. <laughs> they have record of all of that. Unless you want to purge those too. But at least on the one side, I got the records. So this is where we're at. We have to cover our butts with these corrupt clowns because they could say whatever they want. They can manipulate things. They can manipulate documents. They could push things as fact when it's not. Kind of like this impeachment, the charade that is now moving on to the judicial arm of things. Uh, pretty bizarre. How are you moving on to the impeachment inquiry in the Judiciary Committee? Take a listen to a little clip. Congressman Doug Collins uh, told Sean Hannity that, that he thinks that Democrats don't really have anything. They haven't uh, come up with impeachable acts by the president. Here's what he told Sean Hannity. But you know how I know they don't really have anything? Because his first hearing next week is, Sean, is it going to bring academics in to tell us what an impeachable offense is? I'll tell you what an impeachable offense is not. It's everything we've seen from Adam Schiff and the Democrats for the past year as they've attacked a very successful president who is simply doing the best job he can for America. You were heavily involved in the impeachment effort against uh, pre uh, then-President Clinton. Is it, is it all that difficult to come up with the definition of an impeachable offense? No, this, look, this is, this is Nadler, Chairman Nadler, desperate to get some attention from TV. He's been sitting there, I think, very upset because what should have been in the Judiciary Committee was given by Speaker Pelosi to Schiff and the Intelligence Committee. Never been done before, totally wrong. And so this is Nadler's moment to finally shine. And I think that uh, they're stumbling around. I think they're very worried because Nadler earlier I had some disastrous hearings, and I don't think they're very confident in his ability to run these hearings. But I, I think, uh, first of all, I think Collins is a, you had a very effective defender of the president, uh, and I think he'll be very effective uh, on the committee hearing. But there's a deeper part of this. When we impeached Bill Clinton, we started with an independent counsel report that used the word guilty on 11 different counts, including perjury, which is a felony. Now, they got a report out of Mueller, and despite two years of effort, he didn't use the word guilty once. So the difference in the standard between this circus that Schiff has been running and what we did in response to a genuine report uh, by an independent counsel, they're just radically different. And I think we also followed, basically, Peter Rodino, the Democrat chairman in Watergate, we followed his rules for bipartisanship. What they've done is totally one-sided, uh, and I think it virtually guarantees that no Republican in the House or the Senate is going to vote to impeach. On that note, uh, there's this Democratic congresswoman from Michigan, Michigan, Brenda Lawrence, who made a lot of headlines yesterday <clears throat> because she was a Democrat that obviously voted yes in the House for the impeachment inquiry. She then said and made headlines for such that she 
did not see the value in impeaching the president and that she was moving more towards the suggestion of censure. Well, she must have received a lot of pushback within her party yesterday because she seemed to change her stance throughout the day. And here was her yesterday. I have not flipped, but I was trying to bring some reason to the Senate mm -hmm. Republicans. At minimum, you must say that this president has some accountability for his actions. They flipped it and said something that I didn't say. And for the record, I'm 100 percent convinced by the facts the investigations, the hearings, and all that's been presented in this very thorough investigation that President Trump should be impeached. So she seemed to clarify that, that what she had originally said, censure, not impeachment, but then well, look, said at a minimum censure? Look, the left wing of the Democratic Party is rabid uh, basically to a point where it's a pathology. Uh, they hate Trump. They know he's guilty of something. They don't know what it is. They get up every morning and they go, he's really guilty. We've really got to get rid of him. What she actually said the other day I thought was pretty intelligent, was, which was not about guilt or innocence. It was, we're now within a year of an election. It's a, you know, let the American mm -hmm. people decide this. The idea that a handful of professional politicians sitting in the U.S. House are going to take the presidency away from someone who had 63 million Americans vote for him and do so on the edge of an election, uh, I think is a very, very dangerous idea. And I thought the other day that she was trying to say, you know, to her colleagues, hey, you know, maybe this is not all that clever. Now, of course, she also serves now as a real example. You back off and your left wing is just going to just beat you into the ground. And that's why, in the end, Pelosi's probably going to have to move impeachment, even though she knows it's stupid. She knows it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate, and she knows it's probably going to get a bunch of her marginal members defeated. Then why did she get bullied into doing it? I mean, she was very reluctant to bring impeachment forward and, and somehow got pushed, I guess, by the, the more liberal wing of her party. Well, I mean, have you looked at people like AOC? These are fanatics. Uh, the intensity of their emotional commitment to being destructive uh, is really quite remarkable. He's right. And destructive is, is, is a very good word. But I want you guys to listen to a clip from Jay Sekulow today because I'm actually victim of this too. And you know what's funny? It's like, how do I owe the IRS when I would have been able to qualify for Medicaid at that time? Take a listen. You're taken out and you can't have a tax exempt status. 30 questions. I wonder, can you hear this? But it gave me a very short timeline Sorry. and a window to answer those questions. I came in with the paperwork and I, I said, something's wrong here. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure what's going on yet. But this is, something's wrong. This is not, they shouldn't even be going in this direction at all. And in these questions were questions about family members of boards. There were questions about donors and activity beyond just the normal list of donors but what their activities and affiliations were as well they i said they would take thousands of hours to get all the information detailed to what they wanted it would probably take thousands of dollars to put it all together and they gave us two weeks to comply support the work of the aclj we need your support We've got so much work at the So here's 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 the deal what's happening here. And it, they came after me for something like uh 2000, 3000 every year. I haven't seen a tax return in years. They just keep taking it and I'm like 
darn it. Could it be because? Could it be because? Yes, it is because. And it's like, um, yeah, so not happening. They've targeted U.S. citizens like crazy. And you know, I'm not even like super. Why would they ask me like who, who in my family sits on a board? I don't have anyone that sits on a board. Are you sure? I just stopped communicating after a while. And I'm like, you know what? Just come and take me to court. I dare you. I dare you because I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't have to comply. I dare you because everything is documented on my end. And you know, I don't even keep most of my stuff to myself. This is how people have to protect themselves, especially people that have worked within the government, still work within the government or have had past work within the government. They always have to keep their back, especially if they worked within, you know, the spooky divisions. And that is what's incredible. The attacks have been coming out, not just from the smearing campaigns, the censorship, the attacks, the um, uh, black. How many people out there have been blacklisted like Matt Couch? Uh, you know, they just come after you from all ends and it's almost never ending. But you know what? In the end, what we have to remember, it's worth it. It's totally worth it because that is how, you know, we redeem ourselves as human beings, as citizens. And that's something all of us should be thankful for. You know what? Thankful for the fact that we have free choice. Thankful that we can be objective, thankful for all the things that other people in other nations cannot enjoy that we can, which is hope because we have been restricted. We have been held back, right? They've been holding us back. They've been pushing us back for decades. Mm. You know, it's pretty incredible that, you know, how a government has official secrets. And when these come to light, when these can show things that normally aren't shown, that normally never see the light of day, things will be coming to fruition. Things will be coming to the surface to wake up the rest of the people that are in a trance. That is something people need to remember. You know, I, I posted a picture where it was President Trump and then intelligence agencies behind him that all had the shadow of Barack Hussein Obama. The one thing we need to do is make sure that we stick together. We need to ensure that we are together because if all of us stick together where we actually go one, we go all, we are unbreakable, completely unbreakable. And that is what it's important for you to remember that united, they can't break. And so what we need to remember is that the enemy of the people is on your television, on your airwaves, in your social media feed. And anyone else that is on your airwaves, even on your screens or in your social media feed, that does not abide or obey with what they have to say, they're LARPs. They're conspiracy, conspiracy theorists. 
you know, like Timothy, you know, I can't even complain. Like this guy has gone through what I've, I'm gone through and going through and then some, right? This guy was actually thrown in jail. He was being pushed in, you know, so much has been done to so many people. I mean, Liz Crokin, award-winning journalist silenced because she talked about things you're not supposed to talk about on that note. I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving Eve. If you're like me, you're panicking, going to buy those carrots last minute and make some pies today. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. And uh, tomorrow, it'll be all about Ilhan Omar. God bless. And make sure you're armed with facts in case you're in some sticky situations with family. Enjoy your night. God bless.